Here we go. All right. Check, check. I think I've got, I think I've got Mike here. So uh, this is a little, little sermon. I've got my timer here, so I'm not going to go over. I'm good. I'm good. I'm not going to mess this up. But, uh, but if someone was to show up at your door, right, of your house or your apartment, the pertinent question wouldn't be how they got there, right? I mean, like, that's not the thing that you would ask, and even if it was... And they gave you the answer like, oh, I took route nine, took a left on route 12, you know, walked up the steps and here I am. You wouldn't then be like, oh, okay, well, thanks. Have a great day. Good seeing you. Right. The the, the valuable question would be why they came, right? Why they came, not just how they got there, because that's not a very interesting question, but why they came. That's what we'd be interested in because, you know, who knows? Maybe, oh, oh, you've got a, a package you need me to sign for your delivering, right? Or, oh, oh, honey, the kids came over for dinner for Christmas. This is great. Or our friends are here for game night. Or this guy's here to date our daughter, right? And regardless of why they came or why, whether we're excited about it or not, the why they came is the valuable question. It's, a lot, it, it's the thing that lets us have that value judgment as to whether or not, you know, we want them there. And it, it's also the question that enables us to know, the ben, or know or benefit from their being present, right? So, so that's, that's one of the things we want to know why they came. So when it comes to Jesus... I know we, we celebrate the fact that he was born, right? We're excited about that. We might know that he was, you know, born of a virgin. Uh, he was laid down in a manger, and there was angels and shepherds and three wise men, things like that. But the pertinent question isn't how he came. The, the, the valuable question would be why he came. What did he come to do, right? What did he come to accomplish, And that's going to be the valuable thing because it's possible that you could know all of this stuff about Jesus, about where he was born and when he was born and the fact that his birth and all of these things that happened were in fulfillment of prophecy written hundreds of years prior. And you could have all of this knowledge and only have this superficial understanding of who Jesus is. That you could just only know him as a series of historical facts or uh, sound bites from sermons that he's preached. And you could miss out on the benefit of what he came to do. So that's the question that I'm trying to answer for you today is why did Jesus come? And one of the ways we might be able to determine the answer is kind of look at the things he did while he was here. But there's still a weakness in using that as our means of analysis because Jesus did a lot of things on the earth. Jesus slept while he was on the earth, but he did not come to earth to take a nap, right? It would be a wrong interpretation to be like, oh, that's clear. Jesus was just looking for a good place to sleep, and he left heaven, came down to sleep on earth, right? Jesus ate when he was on the earth, but his purpose for coming to the earth was not to find some fast food, right? Like, that's not what he came to do. Jesus also, and this is where maybe you'll lose me here, Jesus did teach when he was on the earth, but his primary purpose was not to teach. Okay? All right? I might have lost some of you there. Jesus also did miracles when he was on the earth, but his primary purpose was not to perform miracles, although it did align with his objective in healing all of those who were oppressed. But the Bible doesn't just call them miracles. The the Bible calls them signs. That's what Jesus referred to them as. They were signs pointing to the fact that he was who he said he was. It was was a means to point out that, that he was the Messiah that he said he was. So, so even all of these things, right, even like when it comes to teaching and doing miracles, these are not things that only Jesus did. Because God did send Bible teachers before, people that would teach the word of God, prophets that would declare God's word. God did perform miracles through people before, 
right? So just because Jesus did miracles doesn't mean that was the sole purpose for his coming. Because if God wanted someone to teach or if God wanted someone to perform miracles, he had other means to accomplish that. But there were things that Jesus was able to exclusively do that no one else could do that points to what his mission was, that gives clarity as to why Jesus came. Because Jesus was altogether different than these teachers of the law or these prophets. Jesus was a fulfillment of who God was. He was able to, in every way, model for us who the Father was and what God's heart is towards us. But Jesus came to be our Messiah. Jesus came to be our Savior. He was not just a teacher. And this is why Jesus came. This is, yeah, he did all of those other things, but this is the mission that he came to accomplish, was to save the world from sin. You can see that in in the evidence of the introductions given by the angels and all of the different people in the birth story of Jesus, in the Christmas story. If you go back and read those chapters in Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2, you'll see that they, the angels declared, this is why he came, to save the world, right? That this is the purpose for for which he came. And to really understand why Jesus came, it requires us to first understand why we needed him to come. Because whether you knew knew this or not, we and all of humanity have rebelled against God, right? We've chosen to live our lives our own way. We've, We've sinned is the biblical term for it, right? Where we've fallen short of God's perfect standard for holiness. And as a result, there's this separation between us and God. And Jesus came to bring us back to God. Jesus came to invite us back into eternal relationship with the Father, that's, what, that's why Jesus came. And since we did rebel against God, I want to let you know that there's no amount of doing good that could resolve that. There's no amount of, of do-goodery. There's no amount of keeping the law that could somehow make us right with God. I can't overcome the wrong that I've done by doing right. And I know that maybe that isn't the way you've grown up, that that's not the way you think about it, but I want to let you know that this is what the Bible teaches. Yeah, Jesus did tell us to do unto others as we would have them do unto us, but it would be dangerous for you to then read that and assume that that means that you just need to go out and do unto others as they would, you would have them do unto you, and that you're cool with God all of a sudden. Because no amount of that can ever make us right with God. That was an instruction for the followers of Jesus, those who have already experienced salvation. Let me, let me give you a scripture here. This is Galatians 2.21. This is the New Living Translation. And it says, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. So this is the Apostle Paul writing a letter to the church, and he's, he's making this point that there's no amount of law-keeping There's no amount of good that we could do that would make us right with God. All right? So, like, that's the first kind of big idea. We can't be good enough to get into heaven is the idea. And if that were the case, he's saying that would be to treat God's grace as worthless, as meaningless. Right? That would be be to uh, disregard the work that Jesus came to do. He said that there would be no need for Christ to die, and if there's no need for Christ to die, he would not have even needed to come to earth in the first place. 
But that's not the case because we do need to be saved and it's not through keeping the law, it's through forgiveness in Jesus. The grace that God gives is valuable and it costs Jesus his life, right? We had rebelled against God and and Jesus took the penalty for our sin on himself so that we could be forgiven. That's the mission for which Jesus came, right? Jesus came to save us. He's the savior of the world and he's the one through whom we can have relationship with God, right? That we were previously separated, but, but Jesus paid the penalty so that we could have forgiveness, we could have eternal life, and we could be with him forever, right? So that's, that's why Jesus came. And, and even though Christmas, I know, is not about getting gifts, I think we would agree with that, the meaning of Christmas is receiving the gift that God gave, The meaning of Christmas is receiving Jesus because Jesus was a gift given to the world because, in case you don't know this, God loves the world. More specifically, God loves you. And God wants to be with you forever, right? That might not be the way you've perceived God in the past, but it is the reality of who he is. And I want to show you this verse. You're probably familiar with the first one, John 3, 16, but we're going to read this passage here. And I want you to think about the fact that Jesus is this gift, right? It says, for God so loved the world that he gave, right? God's a generous and loving God that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So God wants you to be saved. He he does not want you to be perished. He loves you and he wants you to be with him forever, right? That's, That's big news. That's good news if you didn't know that. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, right? So God sent his son to save us. That's the why Jesus came. He didn't send him to condemn us. That excludes some possibilities as to why Jesus came, right? He did not send his son to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So far, this all sounds like really good news. This doesn't require any change on my part, really. But uh, the next verse gets a little bit harder. Let's see verse 18. It says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment that light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. That's, that's all of us, right? By default, we were all in rebellion against God. We were all guilty. We were all condemned for our sin. Right? So it was just, that's the default status of humanity. It says, for everyone who does wicked things, I could even replace that with practices evil or practices wicked things. So it's because Christians, just so you're aware, are not perfect. Uh, God forgives us and perpetually forgives us because we keep messing up, but we're not aiming at sin is the idea. So we don't practice wicked things. It says that for those who do hate the light, And does not come to the light lest his works would be exposed. But everyone who does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So here's the idea. God loves you. God wants you to be with him forever. God wants you to not perish and to live with him forever. And that's experienced by believing in Jesus. That's experienced by receiving the gift that God gave. And it would be a shame if you disregarded the gift that God gave. Because you could know all of this stuff about Jesus, 
right? Just like leaving a gift under a Christmas tree, you could admire the wrapping paper or the placement of it. You could know where Jesus was born. You could know about his life. But if you never receive that gift, if you never open the gift, it's worthless to you. It's, it's, it has zero benefit in your life. So the key here is that we need to receive the gift that Jesus gave. So as, as the worship team comes back up, I want to put one more verse on the screen. It's from John chapter 1, verse 12. And it says this, But to all who did receive him, that is Jesus, right, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That we need to receive this gift. The way we do that, you can just pray a simple prayer. It's just a matter of talking to God. Just tell God you're sorry for your sin. Ask him to forgive you. Choose to follow him. Right? Turn from living life your own way and pursue Jesus. And he'll forgive you like that. Beyond that, then following Jesus, what does that look like? That means learning what he said and what he taught. Becoming more like him. So I would challenge you, whether or not you receive Jesus today or not, at least investigate who he is. Right? You read the Bible. Right? I've got Bibles back there. They're marked in the book of John, so you can grab one and at least discover who he is and why he came. And hear from the words of Jesus' mouth what he came to do. And if you are one who uses cell phones or tablets, you can also just download the YouVersion Bible app, right? And just download a reading plan and your cell phone will remind you to read it every day, right? And just like read through the book of John. And you can find out who Jesus is. And then beyond that, following Jesus means being a part of a church family. Whether here or not, you need to be a part of a church family, That's something that God has not called any of us to follow him alone. There are gifts and talents that people have in a church family that God intends to bless you through them. And likewise, you have gifts and talents that God wants to work through you as a means to be a blessing to others. So if that's not something that you've done in the past, find a way to connect with a church. Connect at a Bible study that you can regularly be around and grow with other believers because you cannot accomplish the calling that God has on your life if you try to do it alone. So we're going to sing some more songs here in a minute, and we've got these candles. We'll be able to shut the lights off once we get some candles going here. And there's nothing magic about the candles, just so you're aware. Uh, they're just candles. But, uh, but I'm going to light this one, I hope, and uh, we'll sing some songs here. And I'll just start lighting it, and you pass the flame around, and I think it'll be cool.